You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. Whoa. Wait a minute. Huh? Hold up. What? Oh, okay. Did we just lose the f***ing Canucks? You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Cleared up the boards, held in by Zadorov. Long shot, rim, and a friendly score. Sam Lafferty digs it home. Laugh it up, fuzzball. I'm very pleased with Elias, uh, and he knows where he stands. He knows how much we want to keep him in, in Vancouver. Takes the knee. This game is over. Oh, the Detroit Lions have won it. Celebrate, boys. Celebrate. Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. A-Dog, good morning to you. Good morning. Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer. Today we are in hour one of the program. Hour one is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. I almost called it Rettle Recycling. Mm-hmm. And a bit of a remix going on. Rattle. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studio. Kintech Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Kintech. We have a big, big show on a Monday. There was a lot that went on in the world of too sports. Too big, actually. It's too big. It's, it's annoyingly too large. It's too much. It's also the de facto pregame show. Because at 10 o'clock this morning, mm-hmm. that's right. 10 o'clock this morning, after a very, very interesting travel weekend, the Vancouver Canucks are going to play the Columbus Blue Jackets again, 10 a.m. our time. Yeah, it's a holiday down south, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, so uh, there's a lot of afternoon hockey games, and then the the football game, the Bills-Steelers game, was moved to Monday, and they were able to do that because it is a holiday, so if you want to skip work or skip school, you should... Definitely do it. Children, that's how you get ahead. Uh, 10 a.m. start for the Canucks and the Blue Jackets, and then right after that's done, you get a 1.30 start. You can have a little quick snack, a little quick lunch, uh, and, and maybe call in to work and just be like, yeah, I'm just, it's still, I, I, I can barely talk. And I, the terms my, are regrouping. My doctor has said I shouldn't talk much, so I'm going to have to sign off now. And then it's Bills and Steelers. No. no. Sorry. Yeah. Eagles uh, Bucks. E- Eagles Bucks. Yeah. Bills, Bills and Steelers, Steelers is later. Bills yeah, yeah, that's why I said Bills and Steelers at one thirty, and then it's Eagles box, and then it's Eagles box. Yeah, yeah. My st- but the Bills and Steelers is part of the playing hooky. Yes, yeah, that's part of it. Right. Um, Six thirty on the show today. David Amber, Hockey Night in Canada, Sportsnet NHL host, is going to join the program. Seven o'clock. Aaron Portsline from the Athletic in Columbus ahead of the uh, Blue Jackets Canucks game. Seven forty-five. John Shorthouse is going to join the program. Not on the call for today's game. He'll explain why at 7.45. 8 o'clock, it's Randeep Janda. 8.30, yeah, we're keep going. Satyar Shah with a crossover because they're going to be doing, they, of course, Sat and Dan, are going to be doing the official, not the de facto, but the official pregame show starting at 9 o'clock. Now, we also have giveaways today. Giveaways, Jason. Every day this week, starting today, we are giving away a big football game prize pack. 
That's right. Big football game. What big football game? I don't know. Use your imagination. Uh, you will get a reserve table for you and five friends, plus a $100 gift card to join Sportsnet 650 at the big football game on Sunday, February 11th at the Clayton Public House. So we're going to be giving away a uh, prize pack for that today. We are also giving away a pair of tickets to see the Canucks and the Coyotes on January 18th from Rogers Arena. So how are we going to do this? You might be asking. Well, it doesn't even have to be a what we learned or ask us anything. Just the best text, period. End of sentence. That's it. You don't have to formulate it in any way. Just have to write something good. Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. If you want the tickets to the Canucks game, put a ticket emoji into your Mm -hmm. text. And if you want to go to the big football game, put a football emoji into your text. Well, we got an early, uh, early candidate. Hey, Bruff, how about that lock of the week? Where was Miles Garrett? Greenard and Will Anderson showed up. Cleveland D really went off. And then I responded with, uh, they let me down. The Browns let me down. Uh, it was not a good lock of the week. Cleveland did not look good. No. And then he said, now on live radio, you need to say the Texans fan was right. Okay. You did it. The Texans fan was right. Houston was really impressive. Some young quarterbacks were really impressive. C.J. Stroud, Jordan Love out of Green Bay. Mm -hmm. Very impressive performance against two defenses that went into those games with high expectations. So we'll talk about that later in the show. Congratulations to that Houston Texans fan. You are the smartest football fan (laughs) in the world, and you have reached a level of petty that even impresses me because... You texted that in at 6.03 in the morning. So you got up early to exercise your pettiness, and I appreciate that. Halford, you keep um, sinking in your chair. No, and it is, I'm a big boy today. And it is, why don't you get a new chair? Well, how is that my fault? Gonna There's get you a, a booster chair seat. right there that in the corner. Look at that one. That was worse. It's like rotting at the but arms. Yeah, but at least it works. Does it? I'm looking over at you. I'm like, come on, little guy. We can do this show together. Little, someone, little Mikey Halford over if there. someone can turn on the live stream right now, they can see that my chair is slowly, slowly sinking into the ground. Not but very I, slowly anymore. No, now it's just quick. But this is okay. I feel really cool. It's not like I'm talking up into my microphone right now. Okay. Uh, we have a huge show. There's a lot to get into. Without further ado, Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? Missed that? You missed that? What Happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance. Making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. The Vancouver Canucks, they just keep winning hockey games. Thatcher Demko made 26 saves on Saturday afternoon to help the Vancouver Canucks get their fifth win in a row. A slim but important one nothing victory over the Buffalo Sabres at the good old Key Bank Center, as mentioned, on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, you hear it often that teams need to know how to win all sorts of games, whether they're wide open or tight checking, especially tight checking when it comes to the playoffs. Well, after an offensive explosion through New York and New Jersey and Pittsburgh that was most often led by the reunited lotto line, the Canucks won their fifth straight in a low-scoring snoozer where the total shots of both teams didn't exceed 50. It was a the, snoozer. 
I didn't. I didn't watch it. The lotto line was not very. I honestly just turned. Turned. I was like, this is this game sucks. The lotto line was not very effective for what it's worth. Um, Lafferty scored the only goal of the game after Nils Hoglander did a bunch of spinning in circles behind the net, but he kept the puck, and eventually the puck found its way back to Nikita Zadorov at the point Zadorov shot it. And Lafferty was parked in front of the net to bang home that rebound. And Thatcher Demko said afterwards, you know, I think maybe we didn't have our best through waves of the game, but I think we recognized that pretty early on. We realized you've got to win dirty games sometimes. Now, good for the Canucks. I cannot imagine the Sabres fans who braved the weather were that impressed with the entertainment value of the game. Although at least there was a little chippiness and emotion after J.T. Miller hit Ross Misdalin and then the Buffalo Sabres spent the rest of the game trying to tee off on Quinn Hughes and failed at that too. Mm -hmm. Demko, fourth shutout of the season. He already has four on the season. With one in each each month of the season, I look back at his game log. Should have five. One Uh, per month. I knew that was coming. One per month. Um, it could and, be more than one per month. Okay. I knew that was coming, Thank too. you. That's consistency. Uh, we were a little worried about Thatcher Demko, uh, I don't know, maybe a week ago, when he had, like, I don't know, two bad games, or not even bad games, but they were just like, wait a minute, he doesn't look amazing out there. Uh, so it was nice to see him get the shutout in Buffalo. After the game, it got more interesting than probably the game. Yes, that's correct. So how did they eventually get to Columbus? Uh, they had to reroute, uh, go north to Toronto, and okay. then catch a flight from did, Toronto to Columbus. So because, did they drive to Toronto? Yeah, because everything out of uh, Buffalo was essentially shut down yeah. yesterday. Uh, they all was, got on the little two-man scooters, like in Dumb and Dumber. Basically. Just all went up that way. Yeah, it's actually very, very comical to watch. An extra pair of gloves the whole time. Yeah. So they, so they got to, they got to Toronto, and then they just flew to Columbus yesterday. Yeah, because there was no, there was nothing going out of Buffalo mm. uh, flight wise, and no. then there were some suggestions that they could try and drive from Buffalo because that might have made more sense, right? It's like, why are you going to go north to go yeah. back to? And but, then they're like, we're not an AHL team. Well, no, yeah, that, but some people it was suggested, <laughs> and some people did say if you drive from Buffalo. To Columbus, you're actually going into the teeth of the storm. Like, as opposed to going from Buffalo to Toronto, you're going away from the storm, right? So, oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, so there was no idea of, let's just try and hop a bus or get get a charter. Oh, well, I'll take Ubers. None of that was a possibility. So it, so it ended up being a very long Saturday and Sunday for the Vancouver Canucks. But they got in to Columbus at a reasonable it yeah, last, like they were last night. F- yeah, but like not like three in the morning. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. They got in at a reasonable time. It obviously is less than ideal, given that the start time to this mm. game is way out of whack, a ten o'clock body clock time. But they have been back east for a couple weeks, so this um, should be fine. Now, a dog is going to explain to everyone uh, the the lake effect that uh, caused all this weather in Buffalo. So over to a dog to explain the lake effect. Well, when the high winds go over the the low seas of the lake and the uh, the these precipitation hits the forefront, I believe at that point then the uh, the systematic undertaking of uh, of, uh-huh. of the sea swells vis a vis the uh, <laughs> no, it's completely it. wrong, completely wrong, all of it. All I know is that Buffalo gets the short end of the stick because all of the cold weather just blows on down to Buffalo. The lake yeah. effect is actually um, the cold weather comes down from Canada over the Great Lakes. And because the lakes are warmer, the, there is moisture that goes into the air and that carries over into a place like Buffalo mm-hmm. and drops all sorts of snow on Buffalo. But you were close, Why would you think yeah. I would know that? 
I didn't know. That's exactly uh, why I did it. When you refer to them as the high seas of the lake, that yes. was my personal favorite. Yeah. Well, you know, you got to be careful of those high seas, yeah. not us wells. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, it was kind of an interesting weekend, to be honest, because you're right about the game itself. Bit of a snoozer. But uh, big picture, such a celebratory weekend for the team. They tacked on their fifth consecutive victory. I, I, I'm, we are not, or I at least you're skipping I'm not, over the most important part of the whole weekend. And I, we're getting to the All Star thing in a yeah, second. Yeah, like Don't how did you it. not lead with? That. Yeah, well, so how did you not lead with that? So. You look at it, and we've almost gotten to the part where I don't want to say that we're greedy or, God forbid, we say that we're cocky like Greg Wyshynski accused us of last week. But um, this road trip has been so good. So this this loss in St. Louis to start it, which you could say, well, that was pre-lotto line. Like, that doesn't matter. That was an entirely different era. Uh, this has been a emphatic statement road trip. The Canucks have pieced together victories in every way, shape, or form. And I won't even bother playing the talk at audio because I think I can paraphrase it. Essentially, he really liked Saturday's game because of the type of game that they won. Like, he yeah. acknowledged it was dirty, it was greasy, it was ugly. Mm-hmm. There wasn't much to it. That is the low-event hockey that I think a lot of us anticipated going into this season under Talkit. But the Canucks handled it, and it's and yeah. actually you mentioned the and it's their what sixth game of the road trip, right? So I think he's I think he's he's talked a lot about how the team needs to know how to play when you're tired, hundred percent. And they limited the chances for Buffalo, and they got Buffalo distracted by that JT Miller hit on Rasmus Dahlin, which a lot of people have texted in and said, "What did you think of the hit?" Uh, I, I I think it was I think it was called. Appropriately on the ice. Yeah, there you know? was. I mean, there was obviously a lot of pushback, especially from the uh, very online Buffalo people. Yeah, of course, though. Right. It's but, like, but if the, if that had happened to Quinn Hughes, I'm sure Canucks fans would be livid. up in arms uh, as livid. well. Um, you know, I I didn't think it was as big a deal as Sabres fans made it out to be, but I understand. Well, I understand what it was. You know, Darlene needs to expect to get hit in that position. Just for context sake, we should mention that they actually lost two defensemen in that game because Matias Samuelson, who left really early in the second period after a hit from Philip Hironic, um, he didn't return and Don Granato didn't have an update. So in the span of one game, the Sabres lost two of their top four defensemen, including their best defenseman in Rasmus Dahlin. So there was there was some angst and animosity there played out as it was, but I thought... It for again, I don't know how I don't know how impactful this road trip is going to be at the end of the season. I don't want to overstate it, but I remember saying after they had the wins against um, the Islanders, the Devils, and the Rangers that it may end up being one of those road trips where you look back and you say this really meant something. To it changed the group. my perspective. It did. It changed um, my perspective. The, this Canucks road trip made me think differently about the team, the way they went into New right. Jersey the, and the Rangers, and especially that Islanders game. And to do that three in a row mm-hmm. changed my perspective on the season. Yeah, and and I mean, I'm I am you, now. I am now in go for it mode. Nice. I, well, I kind of am too. I don't know if it is necessarily this road trip that did it for me like you, but I completely understand what you're talking about because there were so many different like caliber and quality of victories that have come along the way, right? And then Buffalo was just sort of another example of it. Are you that excited that you beat a very bad Buffalo Sabres team one nothing? Mm. On the surface, no. Contextually, 
you're thrilled with it because those are the kind of games that this group, especially when you talk about maturity and discipline and understanding how to play and understanding um, circumstances and what you need to do to win. And I think that's a big part of it is what did they need to do? Well, they need to score one goal on Saturday. Right, They had Dem- Demko playing very well, not getting a ton of action, but stopping everything that was coming his way. And they kind of understood, if we can get one and we can help Demmer keep these guys off the board, we're going to win, and that's exactly what they did. Um, should we have a discussion about Elias Pettersson? Sure. Because he's playing really well. Yes. And here's a question I'm going to ask you and the listeners. Without freaking anyone out on a cold Monday morning, okay? Are the Canucks very carefully, very carefully very carefully, starting to put the pressure on Petey to start negotiating with them. Um, And, you know, as a media guy, I always wonder, hmm, why is Patrick Alvin talking? Or why is this general manager talking at this time? How did he, how how did, you know, IMAC get Alvin to talk to him on the road trip? How did, how did Murph, um, how was he able to book uh, Patrick Alvin for an interview in Buffalo. Okay. And those conversations, I wouldn't call them wide ranging, but they didn't talk, they didn't just focus on Elias Pettersson for the record. But um, Alvin talked to IMAC before the Penguins game in Pittsburgh and he was asked about Pettersson. And here's his quote I have conversations, but nothing obviously has changed. We want to keep Petey here. He knows that at some point, it's going to come down to negotiations and if it's working or not. It's going to come down to negotiations and if it's working or not. We have another year with him as an RFA. We're not going to lose him this summer as a UFA. But that being said, I'm trying to plan for our team this year and next year, and I want him to be a big part of it. Then it was Murph who interviewed Alvin in Buffalo. And Laddie, do we have the audio of Alvin in Buffalo. Now, sure do. he didn't say anything particularly outlandish, but, you know, the message is we're ready to talk whenever Petey is. I mean, Elias has been a great player for Vancouver Canucks uh, the years he's been playing here. Um, I'm very pleased with Elias, uh, and he knows where we stand. He knows how much we want to keep him in, in Vancouver, and uh, we just continue to, uh, to have a, a conversation. I know that he said one of the things he wanted to do was focus on playing, but he also said he wanted to play for a winning team. Do you think that this season, perhaps, that's obviously can't be a bad thing for going into negotiations? Well, I mean, uh, again, uh, I'm happy to see the players, uh, how they thrive under the structure that uh, Rick Talkett and his uh, coaching staff uh, implemented early in the year. And, uh, you know, we know that the second half, it's ain't going to get easier. It's just going to get harder. And, and that's what we're trying to prepare a team for. One last thing. Uh, before the season started, there was a report that uh, Garland's representatives were able to seek a trade partner. We haven't heard anything since then. Considering the way this team's played and his role in that third line, which has been excellent, has that gone away? I give uh, Connor Garland a, a tons of credit uh, with all the outside noise that uh, was going around early when he uh, when he decided to change his uh, representative. Um, I think Connor and Teddy Bluger and uh, Dakota Yasha has been uh, one of the better third lines in uh, third line players in the league. Um, when Connor plays to his strength, 
getting the puck down deep and, and move his feet is very effective playing for us. And Connor has been uh, been staying in the moment and, and playing good hockey for us. So uh, credit to Connor Garland. Now, I know a lot of you might be tempted to text into the show and go, you media idiots. Petey said he didn't want to talk about this during the season. So why are you pushing him to talk about it during the season? Well, IMAC reached out to Petey's agent, Pat Brisson, one of his agents. And Brisson told Sportsnet, it's possible that they could negotiate during the season. He said, I can't say whether it will be in two weeks or two months but negotiations could definitely still happen this season. It's important to remember that Nylander was going to be a UFA, PD is an RFA. It's not the same situation. And PD or Brisson said that he might reach out to PD after this road trip is done to kind of say like, hey, what do you want to do here? So keep an eye on that. Mm-hmm. And I think there's something to the fact that the Canucks are starting to put a little bit of pressure on Petey to start talking, um, especially ahead of uh, the trade deadline, which, listen, let's let's play this out a little bit. Because I have to say that it does kind of irk me each time we hear each side spin the difference between Nylander and Pedersen. Because while technically true, that Nylander was a UFA and PD is an RFA, and there are differences in that. We all know that PD, if he wanted to, could force his way out this summer. It's really not that much of a different situation. PD could just say, I'm going to take my qualifying offer, and then I'm going to UFA, and then you have to trade him, right? Petey is in in as much of control of leaving Vancouver as Nylander could have been in Toronto. Agree or disagree? It's the old Matthew Matthew Kachuk. Yeah, exactly. And the Canucks pretty much have to trade Petey if he just signs his qualifying offer and can become an unrestricted free agent after next season. I mean, they don't... They they would, okay? Let's face it, if you're Alvin, you'd really like to know what PD's going to do before you embark on any other significant moves. The Canucks could still make a few minor trades before the deadline or add a short-term rental without really knowing what PD is thinking. But a lot changes if PD suddenly doesn't want to be a Canuck anymore. In fact, if Alvin learns PD doesn't want to be a Canuck after this season, it might make sense to go all in this season while PD is the team, which is probably why you're starting to see a little bit of, again, very careful public pleading from the Canucks to get PD to the negotiating table. I think they just want to have their stance out there for everybody and anybody to know. I mean, and it's aside from uh, leaning on them to actually get the negotiations started the messaging has remained pretty consistent from the Canucks side of things is that the ball is in PD's court I mean the Canucks may as well acknowledge it they can quote unquote pressure him or lean on him or maybe force Brisson's hand but the reality of it is is they know and everyone knows that Pedersen dictates where this is going to go both in terms of when the negotiations are going to get started (laughs) how they're going to go and really how the contract's going to end up and if there was ever more glaringly obvious, it happened in the seven games that this team has played since the calendar turned 
2024. Because since that's happened, and since he's been reunited with the lotto line, Pedersen has nine goals and 14 points in seven games. He's that aver- that's good, right? He's averaging two points a game. He's averaging over a goal a game. And the Canucks have gone 6-1 and one in those seven games. Now, nobody needed that to either emphasize or confirm that Elias Pettersson's a really good player and that this team needs him. But I think it does sort of add a, a an effect, a punctuation mark, an emphasis, if you will, that he is a high-end, elite, upper-tier player. And I guess you brought up Nylander, so we may as well mention that as well. That has sort of, it's repositioned everything. Like, mm-hmm. the Leafs got it done. Nylander got the deal done. They can move forward now. There's no more, you know, looming specter of it will he or won't he. There's no talk about what you're going to do going into the trade deadline because now you know. And they have to fix a lot of stuff. Well, that's what it is, though. Like, that, I think that's the key is it's the trade deadline. And Alvin all of a sudden is like, oh, man, my team might actually be going on a cup run this year, which we did not expect. Yeah. And we got to know what Pedersen wants because we got to make moves at this deadline to secure our best possible chance to win a cup because – amazingly, it might actually be this year that mm-hmm. is their best chance to win the Cup. But they can't do all these moves if they don't know what Pedersen is thinking. Like, if even if he goes to them being like, guys, don't worry, I'm going to stay. I don't want to talk about it now, but I guaranteed I'm not leaving. Mm-hmm. Even if he does that, Alvin can be like, okay, I know that going in. I right. can make my moves accordingly based on what he just said You there. might actually make fewer moves. To be perfectly yeah. honest with you, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it's, a, it's they're going to so make him sign a promise letter. Actually, as a matter of fact, yeah, that's just, how this is going to work. He's he's just got they just got to talk. That's all it is. Pinky like, swear. This this <laughs> he's might wear a promise ring again. It sounds crazy to say, but this might be the year, right? You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. Monday, happy Monday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Uh, we are in hour two. Hour dose of the program. Hour two is brought to you by Cri- uh, Primetime Craft Beer. <laughs> yes, I almost called We them. all heard it. I almost called them Crime Time. That's different. That's what I'm going to go do after the show. I have some crime time. <laughs> well, it's time to go make some crimes. Uh, primetime craft beer. Meticulously brewed for quality and taste. Primetime is full flavor without compromise. You can find it at a liquor store near you, or you can visit the brewery to see how it's made. That's what all the criminals say before they go out. It's time to go do some crime. <laughs> okay, you got to do your Monday morning quarterback read. That's that's the text from Dog. Oh, did you send a text? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, great. Okay. It's only nine minutes so late. your Monday morning quarterback this morning is me and Bruff. Uh, Tannier is going to join us tomorrow. He'll be our Tuesday morning quarterback. Uh, Monday morning quarterback is brought to you by the Clayton Public House pregame to postgame. The Clayton Public House is your home of football. Catch all the action on 15 screens and two giant projectors. Visit them online at theclaytonpub.com. In case you were not paying attention, uh, there's not one but two wildcard playoff games today and the, tonight. Monday night football this evening. It's the Eagles and the Bucks. Before that, a game that was supposed to be played at 10 o'clock our time yesterday. The Steelers and the Bills from Buffalo got bumped to today 
because of just awful, awful weather in Buffalo. I don't know if they thought it was going to uh, clear up or get better. It did marginally, but it still looks awful in yeah. Buffalo. So that game is. They going just to- wanted it was a travel thing more was, than yeah. like the field. They didn't want people driving to the game and driving back. Right. It's still going to be rough with regards to people getting to the game and you know when they jump through those tables in the tailgate. It's going to be very cold and very snowy. But- Does Buffalo cause at least one weather issue? Every year, and whether it's the so. Bills or like travel into Buffalo to play the Sabres or travel out, there's at least one Buffalo weather incident. Yeah, it's, I mean, again, I've been to Buffalo. Yeah. Uh, I've seen how the weather acts there. It's pretty miserable. It's actually God's way of covering the city so no one has to look at it. <laughs> it's the lake effect. Also, I believe that was in the Bible. <laughs> and lo, Buffalo was covered. <laughs> So nobody could lay their <laughs> eyes upon it. Uh, All right. Let's yeah, do some what we learned. You got some more reads, so be be sharp. Well, what we're going to do, yeah, everything's all over the map today, right? So the 8 o'clock hour, we're all jammed up. We got Randeep Janda joining us, and then Sat's going to join us in studio at 8.30 for a rare crossover event because the Halford and Bruff show today is leading into... The Canucks pregame show. Canucks and uh, Columbus Blue Jackets are going to go at 10 o'clock right here on Sportsnet 650. Pregame show starts at 9. So we're going to read some What We Learns now. And then we're going to give away two prizes at the very end of the show. Uh, if you want to get in on the action, it's either a prize pack to see the big football game on February 11th. That, of course, is a Sunday. Uh, you got to put a, f- a football emoji into your text. If you want to win tickets to see the Canucks and Coyotes on January 18th, put a ticket emoji into your text. Let's fire up the dot matrix for what we learns. Uh, what we learned is brought to you by Get Fire Plan. Protect what matters most with comprehensive fire safety plans, monthly audits, and risk mitigation at $200 off. Visit them at getfireplan.com. Oh, my God! We're having a fire plan! And go. Um, what I learned, this is from Juan from Comox, Dallas just announced a logo change from the star to a blue maple leaf. <laughs> I get it, because the See Toronto that? Maple Leafs also get knocked out in the first round of the playoffs every year. Except for last year. Except for last year. Uh, Rob and Surrey, what we learned. What I've learned is that if the playoffs were to start today, the Canucks would play the Oilers, and I don't like that. Uh, neither do I, but I think the Oilers are going to catch one of the Kings or the Golden Knights. Uh, hopefully they don't catch the Vancouver Canucks. But, yeah, I'd, I, I would be very wary of playing Edmonton in the first round. I know, I know. The Canucks have won all three games against the Oilers, but that was a bit of a, a different time. And I actually don't know who I want them to play. Maybe like if there's some lame team that gets the second wild card spot, like if I don't know, Nashville or Calgary or one of Seattle even grabs that second wild card spot, that would be the one I would want for I was a big fan of your um what happens if Seattle gets in there. Yeah, that's what I want. Yeah. Let's do that. Let's let's have that as our hope for the Canucks first round opponent. So can and, I, and, you might actually build a rivalry and, between the two. And teams. we're scared of all the others because we're cowards. What we well, learned Hold on, hold on, hold on. Can I just throw out there that it's not out of the realm of possibility that the Kings fall out of like we thought the top three teams in the Pacific were going to be Vancouver, Vegas, and Los Angeles at a certain point this season because Everyone else in the division had kind of fallen off. But now you've got Edmonton and Seattle knocking right on the door. 
I don't know how this is all going to shake out because what we kind of thought was going to happen has really been flipped on its head over the second half of December and then whatever happened. The Kings fall out of what? The top three or the playoffs altogether? Oh, no. The Kings could fall out of the playoffs if this keeps going Mm because they've just been sputtering along. Vegas built a pretty decent cushion. Now, the Kings have games in hand on everyone. But look, Edmonton and the Kings have now played the same amount of games. They're both on 39 games. The Kings have 48 points. Edmonton has 47. Yeah. It's it's remarkable, I mean, how much things have changed over the last four to six weeks. So, I mean, it'll be very curious to see how the whole thing shakes out. Um, go. Sorry. What we learned, Tua and Dak are complete chokes. Also, look up Justin Reed, Chief Safety. He reached out to his CFL buddies to find out how to play in the cold and told the Chiefs team, yes, this story is on 3Down Nation, and it was uh, relayed uh, um, by James Palmer on NFL Network, and this is what Justin Reed's CFL buddies told him about keeping warm in a cold game. You got to keep your core temperature going by moving constantly. Look for guys to be jumping and moving on the sideline. Hmm. They told him, don't use the heaters to heat your core. Hmm. Use the heaters, stop humming. Use the heaters on the sideline for your hands and your feet. Secondly, don't wear too many layers. That can have a chance to where it cuts off some circulation to some places, and then the cold affects you even more. And the last piece is this. Make sure you don't let it affect you mentally. They told him the team that usually complains more about the cold is the team that loses. You know, aside from that last one, that's actually pretty good advice. What do you mean? The last one is great advice. Don't complain about the cold. Otherwise, well, you got to ob- deal with it. You got to yeah, deal with obvious. it. Yeah. It's obvious. You can't let it get in your head. You got to be mentally strong. Kids soccer, you got to teach the kids to move because like on a cold morning, they're, they're like, their initial reaction is be like, I'm not going to move at all because if I move, then it'll kind of like create a wind effect and that'll make me even colder. Yeah. And I mean, they had those poor little kids from the Kansas City Chiefs and Miami Dolphins. That was the fourth coldest game. The Dolphins kind of look like little kids out there, like cold. I don't want to move. The, like the narrative going in. Where are the heaters? The, Let's, should we get the heaters out here? But don't let them heat your core, just your extremities. <laughs> the, dol- the, the, the knock on the Dolphins going in was that this was a fair weather, needs to play in the sun, pretty boy timing speed offense that wasn't going to live up to the frozen tundra where it was going to be hard to get your footing and it was going to be hard to catch. And the Miami Dolphins played into every one of those cliches because they went out and this high-powered offense did nothing. And it looked, they looked like they were cold. They did. Mike McDaniels looked like he was cold. Mm-hmm. And I, you're going to say, what the hell are you talking about, Halford? Everyone looked like they were cold. No, you know what I'm talking about. Where it's like, oh, that team is being affected by the cold. As opposed to... Did he look as cold as Tom Coughlin did? No, no one. That? that was... It's physically impossible to be any colder than Tom Coughlin was. <laughs> I thought he was going to lose the tip of his nose. I'm like, that is not a good color. If you ever, ever want to see what cold looks like, Google image Tom Coughlin cold playoff game. Um, did you see Andy Reid's mustache? I was just going to say that. Andy <laughs> Reid's mustache froze over. Oh, it froze up? Yeah. He it, looked like a real walrus? He did. He now looked exactly like a walrus. I was arguing with my wife, what causes that condensation? Is it from the nose? Is I think it so, from yeah. It's just mouth? from breathing. It's, it's is it just no- the air, or is it stuff No, it's bre- you're, breathing, you're breathing out of your nose onto your okay. onto your mustache. Because it would get a whole lot grosser if it was... Yeah, Tom Coughlin kind of has the Jack Nicholson from the end of The Shining look exactly. going on. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 he looks exactly like that. Roizen. 
Uh, um, Greg but, on. Oh, sorry. Go, I got no, go ahead. Greg on Granville has a question for us because I said, "Hey, it doesn't have to be what we learned today. You can just fire off any kind of text. Good name. Good name. To get in, Greg on Granville. Greg Ballack is a big fan of Greg on Granville. At what point, Greg on Granville asks, does Dan Quinn officially get labeled a choker? I am worried about the Seahawks. Greg on Granville. I too am very, very, very skeptical about Dan Quinn becoming the head coach of the Seahawks if that's the direction that they go in. I, I don't like it, to be honest. I think it's kind of an uninspired hire. Who do you want? Who do you want? Mike Vrabel. Vrabel. Yeah. Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel. Again, Mike Vrabel. I would be concerned with a couple things now with Quinn. One, and it's a nice, easy narrative to say, like, how many times can he show up small in the biggest moments? But yesterday, not good. Um, I think as a defensive coordinator, he's probably fine. But as a head coach... And I know it would be his second tour of duty, and he'd be able to learn from the things that have shaken him in the past. But I just feel like they could use something totally different. Like I understand, I kind of don't like that, that he has a, a history with the Seahawks. Yeah, I, I kind of don't get, like that. I would bring love in to fresh get some, eyes. I would love to get someone in the door that has nothing to do with Pete Carroll yeah. or John Schneider mm-hmm. having worked here before. I don't think they need a homecoming. I don't think they need a reunion. I think they got maybe a stroke of really good fortune. When the New England Patriots did not hire Mike Vrabel to be their head coach and they went out with Gerard Mayo, I think you've got an opportunity here. Go hire Mike Vrabel. Bob, with what we learned, ever since William Nylander signed his big contract, he has regressed, done nothing for four straight games, and his coach even called him out. Yeah, his coach, Sheldon Keefe, who a lot of people are calling out, calling him out, um, said of the Colorado game, and I think it was John Tavares with William Nylander, and I can't remember the third forward, but he said, those guys did nothing all game. Yeah. And, um, you know, listen, people are going to be watching to see how Nylander performs after this contract is signed because he was so good before the contract. Like, he was incredible. He drove his price up. Mm-hmm. And that even goes back to the playoffs last year where I still think he was the the best Leaf of all, and I think that surprised a lot of people, and it also made it a real challenge for Bradshaw Living. So William Nylander's got to maintain this level of play that got him this contract, and then Bradshaw Living has to do a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. They got a bunch of issues in Toronto. That's it's not it's not a bad team, but I don't think it's a good team. Um, unsigned, so it must be from Gary. Hashtag WWO what we learned. Uh, after suffering through abysmal quarterback play throughout the year and wondering what happened to the talent in the NFL, we finally saw a glimpse of what's to come with the performances of C.J. Stroud and Jordan Love over the weekend. The future is bright once again. Good text. That was really maybe the biggest takeaway. And you know what? In that night game last night, uh, there were some really, really good throws made by Matt Stafford, who was getting pummeled pummeled in that game and Jared Goff had a really nice performance under center as well uh Flacco was bad Flacco was real bad in that game against the Texans the pick sixes just killed yeah. him um there's a lot of pick sixes overall there was there. yeah and Dak um, at Dax was the worst so it's funny if you look at did you see what Dak ended up with I know like don't get me wrong the stats in that game are don't tell the story. But oh, Dak, what did he have over three hundred yards? Four hundred. Yeah, I mean but that's that's <laughs> and the, three touchdowns. So statistically, yeah. had an amazing game, but they were terrible. Dak is great against that prevent. Yeah, and I, well, that was exactly what it was, right? And I do want to say, like, I I got a ton of respect for what Jordan Love did and has done this year, but to me, C.J. Stroud is is it's a more impressive performance. Like Jordan Love has had a lot of time to get to this point. Mm. He's, he gave me twenty six this year. 
when his birthday rolls around. I want to read one more because I know we got Shorty on the line here, yeah. but Shorty's a Seahawks fan, and this was from Trey, the Gulf Island ferry worker. What we learned, I learned that if the Seahawks made the playoffs, it could have been them upsetting the Cowboys. Oh, man. I did think about that during the game, it. but then I also thought about, you know what, I think Green Bay's just better than Seattle. And there's no guarantee that the Seahawks would have done there, done that. But I, but you know, we, we talked a lot about who do you want for the Seahawks if they make the playoffs. And I was kind of like, I kind of want Dallas cause they've got that choker reputation and all the Cowboys fans who were pretty quiet this morning yeah. texted in and said that Seahawks would have no chance against the Cowboys. I would say that maybe the best offensive performance I saw from the Seahawks at, uh, this entire in year was, was when it was in Dallas. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Shorty's going to join us. Do we have the jingle ready, though? This is the best part of the whole thing. We haven't played this in forever. It's the Shorty jingle. Shorty, the man who's got the call. Shorty, he's actually really tall. Forty-six on a Monday. The man who's got the call, Shorty. He's actually really tall. So some of you are probably thinking, "Well, the Canucks are okay." We get the point. The Canucks are in Columbus. The game's going to start in a couple hours. So you figure that John Shorthouse, renowned play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks, would be there. But now I got. I got my ear to the ground and my folks on social media. Apparently, there were uh, some kids out at UBC tweeting about you groveling for free drinks at the Sports Illustrated Clubhouse in Westbrook last night. Shorty, what's going on here? <laughs> wow. <clears throat> what an intro. Uh, first of all, what I think I had the second jingle on your show because Andy did... What was the first one, Andy? It was Faber's. Right. Rest in peace. And I said... And you asked me to come on, and I said, I want my own jingle. And then it, everyone got a jingle. So I... He ordered me to I do it. Feel, yeah, I ordered you to do it. Um, yeah, so I, I do take a little bit of credit for the number of uh, jingles that have been spawned on your show since then. Um, <clears throat> yes, Mike. Yes. Um, your ear to the ground is good. Um, I don't know if you heard about the weather in Buffalo. I've heard it wasn't <laughs> great. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was insane. You'll be surprised to know that uh, the morning of the Sabres game that uh, I was uh, Googling what time the liquor store opened because the weather was coming in. (laughs) It it opened at 10 a.m. So at 9.56, it was about an 800-meter walk, um, I headed out because the the weather was just arriving. And I swear to God, um, there was a gust of wind that literally picked me up and threw me into a brick wall as I was like trying to walk, I don't know how many, six blocks or whatever. Anyway, um, out of an abundance of caution, Mm -hmm. we decided to have a contingency plan to make sure we had a crew in Columbus. And so uh, got said crew there while we were kind of stranded in Buffalo. And so once that happened, we just made the decision to come home, uh, Dave and I. And so um, just wanted to let the people know that you're going to be very ably taken care of today uh, by the broadcast tandem of Mike Luck, who does some Saturday nights on Hockey Night in Canada on Sportsnet throughout the year and CBC. 
uh, mostly Ottawa games, and he is the junior uh, voice of the Oshawa Generals. And Sam Cosentino, who is familiar to everyone who watches Sportsnet and sees the panels. Um, so just wanted to, because we're a couple hours out from puck drop, uh, just let everybody know that's what's happening. But uh, Dave and I are fine. Murph's fine. Sean Reynolds will be hosting the show. Um, so, yeah, that's that. Weather can get in the way. Buffalo is a crazy place sometimes. I don't know if you saw the pictures today from uh, Orchard Insane. Park. but. It looks like people are going to have to sit on mounds of snow because I saw one tweet where they said they're only being told to shovel the stairwells and the walkways and the seats in the meantime are covered in feet and feet of snow. So it was crazy, but you know, I think it was important um, that we do handle this kind of cautiously because it's easy to forget what can happen, but we're literally like, 13 months removed from a weather event in Buffalo that uh, cost the lives of a lot of people mm. who thought it would be fine to get out and, you know, drive somewhere. And all of a sudden they were stuck and all of a sudden, you know, they were in trouble. And so, so uh, yeah, I'm at sports illustrated clubhouse, which is the heartbeat of Westbrook. <laughs> well, I do want to say, I'm glad that you and Dave were able to get back. Okay. And that the Canucks were able to go uh, via Toronto through to Columbus. Everyone made it out. Okay. And it sounds as though that everything's going to be moving forward for the bills game today at one thirty our time against the Steelers. So prior to having to go through this weather event, shorty, you did get to watch a Canucks team that just rifled through the Eastern seaboard and all these very impressive teams, uh, Rangers, Devils, Islanders, Penguins. It's been pretty impressive. The team was awarded uh, with a bunch of guys going to the all-star game and their coach as well. Uh, it's yeah. just been really impressive to watch them on this particular trip and how effectively they were able to rack up victories. I don't know where to start with yeah, what I'm fair. impressed with the most, but honestly, like um, let's start with the coach. Let's start with Rick Tockett. Um, He's closing in on 82 games coached, which would obviously be the equivalent of a season. Uh, he, the, he's been behind the bench for 79 games now. The Canucks are 49-23-7 and seven in those games. So that's 105 points in 79 games. Um, that's impressive. Um, they've scored first 29 times. That, to me, is crazy. Like, you know, it's they've played with the lead more than anyone in the league. They are 26-0 and when leading after two. Um, so if you go back, um, it's amazing to think that they are only halfway to – so anyway, to extrapolate that number, they are now 51 games in a row when leading after two without losing in regulation. That is remarkable. Which is impressive, right? But they're halfway to the club record, <laughs> which, which was set – in the Vino era, and those teams from 08 to 12, somewhere in there, they went at at one point in that era, they went 102 games where they didn't lose in regulation when leading after two. Like this is a team that all of a sudden just has this capacity to shut it down and take it to the goal line and, and, and punch it in for the score. Um, that's to me, another amazing stat. And the fact that they have only trailed after two periods this year eight times. Eight times. They've played 43 games. Like, they've, they've really just taken care of business. And then the road record is the other thing that um, that really jumps out at me. And this dates back to last year as well, kind of the, the start of the talking era. But they're in their last 36 on the road, 
and that's you know traditionally a difficult place to play. Twenty three nine and four. It's uh, it's it's real. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Is it the most surprising season? Is it the most surprising season in Canucks history either way? Like whether or not you went into the season with high expectations and they weren't met, or you went into the season with you know moderate expectations and they overachieved? Um, is this is this the, for me? It is. Um, is it for you? Yeah, it's there. I, I think. I think uh, maybe Willie Desjardins' first year surprised me. Yeah. Uh, the regular season, and then there have probably been some at the other end of the spectrum where he had really high expectations and it's just fallen flat. But to me, like this is nobody predicted this. And again, there's 39 games to go. But but here's another stat for you. You know, this is simple math, even for an idiot like me. But if they play 500 the rest of the way, they'll get 100 points. That's crazy. They should aim for that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, playing 500 in the NHL in this day and age is is really, you know, it, whatever. I, I, people are going to be, you're jinxing them! You're jinxing them! Um, and I'd love to know how many people just in the course of the broadcast from Buffalo were yelling at the TV that I was jinxing them, and yet the game wound up one nothing. You had another so, you had another near jinx. Um, and I, by the way, I hate when people accuse me of jinxing. It's like except, it's, it's, except, except apparently you notice when I do it. No, 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 no. Because other you people, no, 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 just are probably texting each other. Jinxes are for the weak minded. And you said something during the New Jersey game. It was like the Canucks uh, haven't won here in ten years, and then the Devils. Yeah, and, then they, and then they scored twice. Yeah, we won the game. Yeah, no, I know, but I was being accused of jinxing too because um, I said, "Is this the best game the Canucks have played in a decade?" Because they were playing unbelievably well, and then right at the end, it was a close game. Um, and anyway, we didn't jinx them because jinxes don't exist. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, the, sure. The only way to avoid the only way to avoid jinxing a team by being a play-by-play broadcaster, mm-hmm. and and I don't believe in jinxes either, by the way. But the only way in the in the in the mind of the week to avoid jinxing a team as a play-by-play broadcaster is not to utter a single word. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, Shorty, we will miss you on the call today, but you will be back on Thursday for the game against the Coyotes. Thank you for doing this today, friend. We appreciate it. Feet up on the couch. Mike Luck, Sam Cosentino, they'll take care of you, I promise. Thanks, Shorty. Appreciate it, buddy. John Shorthouse, play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff.